Hello, Colleen. Hey, good morning, Aaron. How's it going? Pretty good. Can't complain. How about you? Uh, it's going amazing because I launched, finally launched the database course at Planet Scale. And um, one, it just feels good to have, like, to be working on something for a super long time and have it released. But it also went really well in terms of the feedback. So it was um, it was a big launch. So today's Thursday. It was on Tuesday. And it sat at the on the front page of Hacker News for the entire day. And people were pretty positive about it, even on Hacker News. So it just feels it just feels really, really good. That is awesome. Congratulations. I know that has been a long time coming. It has been a long time coming. Yeah, the past month or so I've been done with videos, um, which is that was a relief in itself. But then we had to get like the course site and everything done, um, which I didn't. I didn't have too much to do there. I was cleaning up some like content descriptions and that kind of thing. But still people, you know, messaging me being like, Hey, dude, you've been talking about this for a year. Where's the freaking course? I'm like, I know I'm trying. I'm doing what I can. So it just feels good to not have that hanging over my head anymore. Yeah, that's spectacular. I cannot wait to take it. Yeah, you better take it. I will. I'm, we're flying to Florida and we're in California. So it's a six hour flight on Saturday. So I'm prepping by getting as many MySQL videos as I can from you. <laughs> yeah, that will make the flight maybe go very, very slowly. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea. But yeah, I'm I'm really happy with it and am pleased that um, people seem to be, one, enjoying it, and two, saying that they're like learning a bunch of stuff. So it just makes me feel, yeah. makes me feel good. Awesome. Yeah. That's great to hear. So what's been going on uh, on your side? Well, customer interviews. As I said on the last podcast, I was trying to hit 10 in two weeks because I'm off next week. And um, you have participated in many of those, which I appreciate. I think it's great when we can both show up. And I think we've done 12 in two weeks. It has been a tremendous (laughs) amount of work, but I am... Really, really happy with how it has gone. Yeah, we we should talk about everything we've learned. But before we do, didn't you say on the last episode something like, I don't know, it's probably one of your Jason Cohen things, like the people that are successful say they're going to do something and then do it? Yes, I did that say right? that. That is Feels that good. Is right. We did it. Feels good. We said we're going to do it and we did it. <laughs> Feels good to do the thing you said you were going to do. Absolutely. Yep, imagine that. Relentless execution. Okay, so where do you want to start? Do you want to start with um, how the first ones were like massively depressing and we wanted to give up everything and move to the woods or talk about how (laughs) some went really well? (laughs) Where where do you want to start? So I think one of the interesting things, I think the best place to start is in the initial group of people that we asked to sit down with us. And I think it's important to give context here that we weren't targeting a specific industry or a specific company size for this first round. It was kind of a grab bag of people that we know or that we know on Twitter. Like there was some, they're all warm, yeah. yeah, warm intros. And for this first round, we did more, mostly Rails developers, some Laravel developers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we hadn't, and, and I think that's important context because as we get into the emotional swings of these interviews, <laughs> it's important to remember we weren't targeting a specific group yet. So yeah, l- and I, I think that's I don't know if we could have done that better, but I think doing a first round with a bunch of people who are friendly across a broad spectrum actually ended up being very very helpful, 
um, because we're trying to prove out kind of our, our broad hypothesis at this point. Um, but I think as you're about to say, the first few people, it did not go super great. Yeah. And I think in the spirit of full disclosure, we got off of that first call and we were like, we should just quit. Like this is literally, <laughs> literally, we said, I never say that. Yep. And to be fair, oh, it was, it was <laughs> bad. So bad. It was so bad. We got off the call and I think we immediately called each other and we're like, Hey, how did you think that went? And like, pretty bad. I was like, yeah, pretty bad. Like we should, we should just pack it up. And you're like, yeah, I think we should just pack it up. Oh, and that lasted, a, that lasted an entire day. Oh, that was a rough day. That was I a remember rough day. I was at my co-working space and I left at noon because I was like, I just need to go home. Like this, I don't yeah. have any energy for this. Um, yeah, context, that was really discouraging. It was super discouraging. I feel like the context though, last week I was getting up at 5 a.m. for workouts instead of 6 a.m. So I was already tired. And so I think I was already kind of like, ugh, you know, tired. So to get off that call, it was just, whew, a soul crushing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't have a lot of extra context. I was just depressed about it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have any good reason except it was a depressing call. Um yeah, what was it that was so like what was it that was such a bummer about that? It just felt like we weren't making any progress over the past 1000 years or or what was it? So, my take on why that went the way it went was because this company we thought was potentially our target market. This company was, mm. you know, over 500k ARR. The company had very few developers, so they had more money than time, and they seemed from the outside to have a need for the service we were offering. So, to find out that they might have a need for it, but man, it it just didn't feel like the pains we thought they had were not there. The ideas we had already kind of concocted in terms of an MVP were clearly not something they were looking for. Right. And so I think the biggest mismatch there was this was the kind of company we thought we would be targeting. And for them to come in and be like, yeah, this is not even close to what we need was just mm-hmm. like, oh, is our entire we we came out of that one interview and it was our first. <laughs> and it was like, is our entire hypothesis wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Um and I think we even got feedback on like Hey, if you're going to do these customer interviews, you got to do them differently. So it kind of felt like felt yes. like a one a one two punch. So that was interesting, though. I you know we can talk more about how we do the customer interviews later, but that was actually really good feedback for me because I think um, you know I've been coached by Michelle and I've read her book, and that is incredibly valuable because I've learned so much. But now that I've done you know twelve, thirteen of these, I do think there's some kind of balance between who I really am. And that like super calm, don't say anything person. I have found my sweet spot for these is like, I'm still, th- I'm still me, right? Like I'm still, I'm just a high energy individual. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. um, I still have to be me in these interviews or else it's just weird, but like just muted a little bit. Yeah, I did notice on that first call, I was like, man, Colleen is, she's really downbeat. I wonder, I wonder if this is a strategy. And yeah, <laughs> totally it, it was. Strategy. And it did not work, by the way. <laughs> it did It did not work. No. It was not a good it, strategy. It was, it was not a good strategy. It was not effective. And I didn't, I didn't buy it. <laughs> yeah. So that, that one I did that way. And that, but that was good for me to realize. It's like, this is almost too much. Yeah. Um, Cause I studied, right? Like I studied, like, here are my questions. How do I do these questions? Mm-hmm. 
And I stuck to the script in that first interview. And again, as I've done more of these, I've gained a lot of confidence in the best way to do them. And um, yeah, so I'm just getting better, I think. I'm just learning how to do it. Yeah, I think so. And that, I mean, by the end, by the, you know, the 12th one, I feel like we had it down. We had it down pretty good. Um, So, okay. So we did the first one, maybe the first two and decided. First, First three. Aaron, we're not very good in terms of yeah. what we heard. Like the first three we did, we basically heard no. Like this is not this is not a problem. Like the way you think it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. So we did the first three. Decided we should quit. <laughs> <laughs> we should quit, or we should um, we should do something entirely different that is like not even related to what we're currently doing. And then we kept going, and things got a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yep, things started to turn around. And so what was it about the next ones you think that that got better? So I think two things happened. I think um, one of my friends who um, we actually interviewed her because she has a rails company, but she also took some time out of her schedule to talk with me a little bit about the way I was doing these interviews. And one of the things I realized, which I knew, but I hadn't really synthesized yet was you need a pretty specific hypothesis and Mm -hmm. you need a pretty specific user group. So it's not just everyone I know who's a Rails developer, let's talk to them. Let's segment these people. What size are their companies? What do they do with their companies? Are they consultancies? Are they, you know, head of product? Are they head of engineering? Are they an engineer? And so she really helped me focus in on the user groups and the questions I I was going to ask them. And so now we're three interviews in for context, and I'm going into my fourth interview. And my fourth interview is with a consultant. And honestly, after having, you know, after doing a deep dive on what we were looking for, I thought about canceling it because I was like, consultants are not going to be our market because we we think now we're going for like small to mid-sized companies. And we've just had three like in a row where people are like, this is not a pain point. Like you were, you were in the wrong space. They didn't say that. They were way nicer. If we interviewed you, I really appreciate, appreciate your yes, time. Thank you for your help. Thank you Sorry, so much. It did feel like a punch in the face, but we really appreciate you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I go into this fourth one with this consultant and he was talking about a company he worked for where he, without me prompting him, right? Like I learned something from Michelle. I didn't prompt at all. Literally described the pain that was our original hypothesis for this mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. Almost word for word. And I had to yep. sit there and not be like, ah, that's what I've been trying to say. <laughs> yep. I, I was not there for this when I watched it all on recording. And I think as he, like, as I was watching it, I was slacking you and I was like, he said this. Oh, he said this. I'm so proud of you. You didn't, you didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah. That one, that one felt like a turning point. And that felt like a turning point because he literally described our pain, the pain in the way we originally hypothesized it, and told me they paid money to fix it and told me how they paid to fix it. And he just also surfaced surfaced some issues that I hadn't really thought of in depth or realized how big they were. And so I got off that call and I was like, oh, okay, this guy had the exact pain and he struggled to find a good way to solve it. And then the one after that, again, completely unprompted, same situation, exact pain. They they weren't paying to solve it. They were just living with it. But, you know, so I feel like once we hit like five, six, we started hearing similar things from people surrounding the pain, which was 
awesome. And I remember, I think it must have been, it must have been this Tuesday, because I remember you and I were talking on the phone, like real phone, and I was driving around the rich neighborhood again, and I had, I had another McFlurry. I promise I don't, I don't get McFlurries like every week. It just so happens that they come up on, on this show. But we had just launched the course. Everything was great. And so I went out to get a celebration McFlurry. And I remember I was driving around the neighborhood and we were talking on the phone. And I think that is when we had had some good interviews and I, I laid out what I thought our hypothesis should be. Um, and that is what we, what we took into the next several um, right. that turned out to be, I think accurate because we reached that magical point um, where people start saying the same things that everyone else has been saying. And so we started to hear the same things over and over again as as pains unprompted. But I remember, I think it was this Tuesday, so it was two days ago, that we decided, hey, maybe like maybe our original hypothesis is correct, but maybe we're approaching it, like maybe our solution is incorrect. Or the people that we're pitching um, our solution, maybe we're doing it from the wrong side. So I don't know how much of that you want to talk about. Yeah. I'm comfortable talking about that. I think that you are correct. We started to hear the same thing. And that's very exciting because you hear about hearing that. But in mm-hmm. any customer interviews I have ever done in the past, I haven't really been able to converge on something. It's like when you're trying to build a new product and they're like, just talk to people. Like, what? Like, that's mm-hmm. the most broad, unhelpful advice ever. Because um, really? people have crazy different pain points if you don't have any focus. So... We, you know, as if you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you know, we build this query builder, which right now uh, is packaged as a as a gem or a package, I think, in Laravel. And you add it into your application. And um, talking to people, we have come up with this new hypothesis, which in very broad strokes is non-technical users need access to company data without having to learn SQL or understanding the nuances and flaws of the data model. So there is this In every company that we spoke with that was bigger than three people, there was this disconnect between the sales and marketing customer success teams that need access to the data and the engineers who are are providing the data. And what we one of the things we heard more than once, which I really think is is interesting, is people using Heroku data clips to get the specific piece of information and then bouncing that to a Google Sheet or to Excel or something to give the report to their I hate to use the word non-technical because these people are usually Excel wizards. So non-software developer decision makers, non-SQL decision makers in the company. And I think as we refine this, and we're still refining because, you know, we haven't synthesized all this data yet. But as we refine these ideas, these people who need the data live in Excel. They're making business decisions, and most of them like Excel. But getting the data in a smart, understandable format from the database to Excel can be a pain point. Yep. I think that was, I think that was the the big realization is we've been trying to do this. Like we've been trying to enable developers to do this for their people. And I think we were right in that this is a pain. I think we were wrong in that the way to solve it is give developers a tool to solve it for their people. And so what we ended up hearing over and over and over again was, like, I I just need to get the data to CSV because they will do like, 
they will do what they want in Excel. And I actually don't know what they're doing in Excel. And I don't want to know what they're doing in Excel. But I need to give them the power of Excel or sheets or whatever. Um, and I don't like, I don't want to build, I don't want to build all that out. I just need to get them the data. And some people were saying like, every time they ask, I'll go write a SQL query. Some people were saying every time they ask, I'll hand code a new report. Um, and some people were saying every time they ask, I just kind of ignore it until it goes away. But what we kept hearing is these people that are trying to make that are trying to make decisions to like help the customers or analyze marketing, like they need the data. And not only do I as the developer have access to the data, I know where all the data bodies are hidden, right? So I know that this field activated at doesn't actually mean activated at. You also have to look at this status column to determine if they've actually activated or, you know, whatever, stuff like that. And so it's not, it's not even that these people are non-SQL users and we they don't want to teach them SQL. It's also that they're non-SQL users and our data model is um, it has some lovable quirks that only the developer knows about. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to teach them like where all these things are munged and where we've papered over problems. And so that was super encouraging to me for a couple of reasons. One is we don't have to recreate Excel. (laughs) Like to solve this pain, we don't need to make the best charting um, application, the best application to deal with pivot tables. And like, we don't have to do all of that. And that has always been super intimidating to me because I can't like, I can't do that. That's just too much. And so when we, when we have talked about in the past competing with something like MetaBase, it's like, I can't do that. It's too much. I just can't do it. But now it feels like there's a path forward where we can offer what people are actually wanting without having to recreate something that, you know, people with millions of dollars of funding or slash Microsoft are are (laughs) creating. So that felt really good. Yes, I agree. Felt like there is opportunity there. There is a pain there. Now, different companies of different sizes and different people had different level of how they were feeling that pain. Mm -hmm. But it feels like there's something between data clips and Metabase that could be us. I think so. So by the end of the week, I mean, i.e. yesterday, feeling a lot better. (laughs) We're not going to pack it up. It's not game over yet. <laughs> Me too. Feeling a lot better. Lot, it is lot better. Very encouraging to start feeling like, like I said, like we've zeroed in on a pain that we're going to try and solve. We mm-hmm. think it is painful enough that people will pay to solve it. Some people told us right then on the phone that like, yeah, I would, I would pay you X amount right now to solve this. And X, X was high. X was high. That was high. a good amount. Yeah, well, and yeah. the cool thing about this, well, the interesting thing about this is if we are, if we sit between, I just use this as an example, but between like do it yourself and BI tools, right? BI tools mm-hmm. are like a thousand dollars. And so if we can zero in on solving this problem, we have a lot of wiggle room in terms of value and pricing. I think. And we have talked, we have talked historically about how we have zero wiggle room now because on my side it's Nova and on your side it's Sidekick and those set the price. Like that sets the top of the market. And here we're talking about BI, which I think starts at like a thousand dollars a month. And so they're running cover for us to be like, Hey, you could use, you could use these BI tools, but you can use us for way cheaper. And still, it's a pretty good price for us. So that feels yeah. a lot better. And I think the real key to win here is because Metabase is only $85 a month. 
But MetaBase, I think, is overkill for what a lot of these people need. And so if you're even easier, I mean, I think, and again, we're not sure yet because we're early in this process, but now if our if our customer is non-SQL person trying to access the data so they can make business decisions, if that's our customer, you want to make, you want to remove as much friction as possible. And I use MetaBase, so I, I feel like I can say this confidently. It's a great tool, but there's a fair amount of friction there. Mm-hmm. Especially if you don't know SQL. Um, like it doesn't even, yeah, there, there's a fair amount of friction in terms of like setting it up and, and getting the information you need. And so if you just want to get your data out of the database to Excel, like specifically what you want, I think we can solve that feels small enough. Like we can wrap our hands around it and we can solve it in this really, really low friction way and iterate from there. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the key is we can create something between the two of us, and that's not very many of us, between yeah. the two of us, we can create something valuable um, that we can then iterate on. So maybe one day we do have to get into charts and graphs and pivot tables and whatever. Um, but I don't think that needs to be the first version. Like there's enough, there are enough people so far that are saying, yeah, we just want to get our freaking data out and put it in Excel. And we want to do that regularly. We want to do that easily. And we want to do that on a schedule. It's like, hey, I can do that. Yeah. Like I can I can as a as a solo developer, I can do that. Um so that that feels good and being um being in a market that exists also feels good. Like if yeah. if we're competing with Metabase, that's that's okay. Like it's nice. It's nice to be in a market that actually exists instead of convincing people that <laughs> paid packages are a real thing and you should you should do it. Yeah, I really I really think it's the right move because our paid packages, just because it's not a pattern that people are familiar with. And, you know, the product is is coming along really well. And um, the paid package is great. But the people who have purchased it are in our network somehow. And so I feel like since this is not really a pattern people reach for that, but a SaaS is a pattern people are comfortable with and reach for. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you've you've been on about this for a little while, wanting to get I away have. from paid packages. Um, first, it was Aaron, you can never open source anything, and now it's we can't sell packages. We need to be a SaaS, and you know, I'm not afraid to admit it. You're right again. I think I think this is the move. This is so much easier to charge for. I um, so and I have this I have this unformed theory in my head for not based on this, but based on an entire lifetime of things that there are like, there are patterns and structures and games that like you should like fight against and try to change. And there are patterns and structures and games that you should play within and exploit to your benefit. So like, I think work politics is a good one. Sure. You can rage against the machine and try to change everything about, you know, your workplace, or you could just kind of like knowingly play the game and, get a promotion and go home and be happy, that kind of stuff. I kind of feel like with the paid packages, that's not a game. That's not a game I want to change. Like, I would love for there to be more developers that are able to sell packages and it's a common thing. And why don't we just say also that open source is a sustainable business model as well? Like, that would be awesome. I'm not willing to dedicate the time and energy to change the entire market on that. That's not a game I'm going to try to change. I'm going to try to play the existing game, which is people pay for SaaS. I agree, especially with our limited resources, right? Like if we yeah, if we were exactly. a different kind of company and we we're like, we are going to change how this is fundamentally done. Like that would be that'd be a different challenge. 
<laughs> yeah, and that is a noble like that is a noble cause that someone should take up. I and that's the thing with like what systems am I willing to rage against the machine and which ones do I just have to play within and exploit, you know, to my benefit? And we can't change we can't change the ecosystem. I would I would much rather have a business that funds um our lifestyles and contribute to open source if we want. So, yeah, yeah I think I think this is at least this is the um, right thing to take into the next round of discovery. Round. So what what happens now? I guess that's the question. Well, that's what I was... So we're, we're saying all these things. I feel like asterisks. Next time you hear us on the podcast, we reserve the right to have completely changed our minds again. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Are- that's our standard disclaimer. I should put that in the intro. <laughs> because we are so early in the process. But I think you're... And again... For people who are listening, we're we're just figuring this out right now. Like we do not have the answers. We have not pre-briefed on this. We now have a new hypothesis, mm-hmm. right? And so I think next round, like you said, we're taking that hypothesis into the next round of discovery to see if we can hone down more on um, if this is if this is the right hypothesis. Like because our original hypothesis two weeks ago was, you know people have some kind of ambiguous pain around data. So we have narrowed the funnel mm-hmm. to what we have now, and we may or may not need to do another round to kind of narrow the funnel even a little bit more in terms of what the deliverable is. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have lots of thoughts and feelings, and like it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out over the next couple months. Yeah, I think so. Um, I have felt more optimistic, I think, in the past week about this than I have in a, in a long, long time. That's awesome. Because, I didn't know that. Yeah, and we we even we had a, a call with somebody in the Laravel ecosystem yesterday who wanted like who wants the current product refined, but also wants it with a React front end. And as we were talking to him, and he was like he was exceedingly helpful. He was telling us all kinds of stuff, and that was uh, that was a very good call. But as we were talking to him, I had to tell him like, dude, I don't know React. I don't I don't think I can support React in the in the long run. And he was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. But as we were talking to him, I was thinking, man, there are so many permutations of our current product that it it is it is hard for me to keep it all straight. And the idea of moving it to a, you know, a SaaS that people don't install and I don't have to account for every configuration of Laravel View React Rails. Oh, boy, that sure feels good. Feels good. And... Not only that, like, not only does it sound technically more fun, um, people want it. People actually want it more. People are saying, this is a pain I would love to have solved versus us telling people, like, you could do all of these very neat things with this product and then being like, yeah, maybe. It sounds like a lot, though, doesn't it? It's like, God, freaking. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I'm feeling so much better. Yeah, me too. I feel like this gives us the... So, something we have been trying to do on the Rails side is... The same as you, like twist ourselves into a pretzel to meet every possible use case. And some people want it internally. Some people want to show it to their customers. But if they want to show it to their customers, they want this infinite level of customization. And so what this means, I think, for us is we are going to offer the two views, which you have seen, um, the view we have now, which is a drop-in modal that allows them to build up complicated filters, including or conditions. And and we're about to roll out this kind of like, sh- I call them stripe-like filters, but kind of like the thing you tweeted, mm-hmm. um, filter mm-hmm. pills view. And if Stripe Legal is listening, it's nothing it's not Stripe, let me tell you that. <laughs> this but yeah, it looks just like Stripe. Yeah, that one. <laughs> 
Um, we're going to roll out this filter pills view once I get back from vacation. And then it's that's going to be it. It's going to be like, here's what you got. You got two views. You can add your custom CSS on top. But I like this is it. I'm not making you any more, you know, any more custom views. Um, and so that really just, just kind of takes stress off a little bit. Because yeah, it does. one of the things I was finding with the package is our initial hypothesis was people need this on their index views and their customers were going to see it, potentially. Mm-hmm. And if their customers are going to see it, it has to perfectly, we've talked about perfectly. this ad infinitum, but it has to perfectly match their UI. And mm-hmm. that is harder than we anticipated. And first of all, good use of ad infinitum. And yes. <laughs> we we don't want to be we don't want to be in the front end customization component game. Like yeah. I'll let I'll let the the tailwind UI guys play that game. They are exceedingly good at it. I I kind of suck at JavaScript, and I don't want to I don't want to figure out how to make something infinitely customizable while still being easy to maintain. Like that's just not my skill set. Yeah. I um I feel similarly and we have a lot of jobs. About my skill set or you feel similarly about your <laughs> skill set? I feel similarly How dare about you? JavaScript. <laughs> okay. Um and so I am excited to have these two options, which we'll have for Rails, and they'll be somewhat customizable, but you as the implementing developer, like this was a thing we were getting into was this first group of customers needed it. And I was trying to do it for everyone because it's the first round of customers. Like you want to know how to yeah, turn this totally. into a sustainable business. And I think with this new focus, the refine package will will be what it is. It's like, this is what you get. Um, if you don't like the way it looks, you can eject your views and write your own. Mm-hmm. Like That's fine. Mm-hmm. Just like any other gem. Um, so I don't know. That feels good to be like, okay, this is this is what it is. We don't have to force this into a market that just doesn't seem to be there. Like you said, we don't have to define a market. Yeah. Turns out that's super duper hard. Oh, so I was listening to a podcast this morning with Natalie of Wildbit, Postmark. Okay. And she was talking about the way they build products. They have built products because they had Wildbit mm-hmm. for 20 years. And... She said they usually were able to crank out an MVP in three months, like in a quarter. Wow. Which I thought was was kind of cool. Um, they do high quality a, stuff, so that's very impressive. Yeah, which was an impressive goal. But she also talked a lot about, I was thinking of you, because she talked a lot about the minimal part in the MVP. Like you don't ship mm-hmm. crappy software, but you ship the minimum thing to deliver value and then you build mm-hmm. off of that. And what um, of that made you think of me? I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I mean, what what am I supposed to do? This is this is a uh, this is radio. We're making good radio here. Oh. <laughs> I don't know the answer, so I'm a little bit nervous, but So I think, you know, one of the interesting things if we go down this path will be we are developers in different framework. Mm-hmm. So we won't really be able to work together too much on the development side. Yes, on the product the product side we will, but mm-hmm. like the actual writing of the code and so I think one of the things we'll have to be careful about, and by we, I mean you, is... Uh-oh. Um, Man, that turned quickly. Okay, keep going. I'm ready. It did turn quickly. Yeah. By <laughs> we, I mean you. That's never something you want to hear. Is figuring out what the minimum is to ship and shipping it. And, you know, we made that joke last week about the foreign key on the joins table, primary Great key. Great joke. It was... Killed, yes, yeah. <laughs> killed. Everyone loved that people joke. Have, people everywhere dying. <laughs> um... 
But really, really being specific, when we scope out what is the very first version of this ship look like, it, it's got to be really scoped down. Um, yep. And so I think, I mean, for both of us, that's going to be a challenge because actually we both have that issue of a little bit of perfectionism. And um, at least we have each other to push each other to get out of it. But I think that's going to be that's going to be important um, on our timeline. Fortunately, this is not um, news to me, so I'm, I'm glad this is how that, that little conversation went because this I am fully aware of, um, and I super agree with you. And I know that I know that I tend to um, I tend to care a lot more about the code than some people do. Um, I will. I want to. I want to listen to this wild bit thing because. If she said don't ship crappy software, then she's speaking my language. Because one of my frustrations is I see a lot of people on Twitter being like, ha ha, my MVP sucks. And I yeah. shipped it and it's super broken, but I shipped it fast and I don't care. And I'm like, that's not what I'm, I'm, I'm never going to do that. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. That wouldn't make me happy. I wouldn't want to live my life that way. Um, but you can't swing too far the other direction. I think it's going to be extremely important, like you said, for us to figure out the feature set that is minimum viable. Because one thing I'm also prone to is thinking, hmm, this is a, this is a scenario where if I add another feature, it might be useful to a subset of people. Um, and so we're going to have to define like, you know what? No, we can't, you can't write your own PDF generator for the first round. Like you just can't do it. Um, so yeah, you and I will have to work together closely on how to figure out what do we think based on conversations? What do we think people are jonesing for and how can we do that quickly? And I second your statement. I totally agree with you about we are not a company that ships crappy software. Like that's not our move. Like we are, we want to be known as a company as like a wild bit, like that ships high quality, well thought out, well designed software. Yeah. Yeah. We're on, we're on the same page there and we'll, yeah, you'll have to keep me, you'll have to keep me on the straight and narrow. Um, as I want to optimize joins, you'll have to tell me, do not do this. Okay. I feel like I need to, so I was listening to the podcast this morning <laughs> before we recorded this one. I feel like I need to defend myself here because. No, no, no. You were, you were <laughs> no, no, right. No. There's no defense needed. You were correct. I was ridiculous. But, I mean, the thing is, if they called the filter differently, then they skipped the joins. So I just had to teach them yeah. the proper use of the filter, which was a teeny bit intuitive because it felt like you were skipping a table, right? Because you weren't yeah. going through the join table to the primary key. You just go right to the primary key. Um, or not go right to the key on the join table. Still got the same impact with a little bit of customer learning. Just saying. Yeah, so, so the solution was actually just teaching them how to use the thing and not spend a week coding some new awesome feature to allow the user to be, we'll say, um, suboptimal. So that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's even more ridiculous than than that. It was an easy workaround. And I wanted to fix it once and forever, which, you know, we all we all have our things. I just want to fix things. I just want to fix things and make make things awesome. That's all I want to yeah. do. So I was thinking like, once we're successful, and we're making lots of money. Again, right. being inspired by Wildbit, listening to I've been listening to her and reading some of her stuff. Then you can maybe someday you'll get to open source it and just fix all the things you want to fix and just maybe. like play in your oh. playground. You'll <laughs> find you'll finally give me that freedom. <laughs> maybe someday. Check back um, in five years. So you know how much you love to talk about Jason Cohen? I, I think do. he's got he's got the dream spot. He like he is not I don't think he has any direct reports. He just he just 
does stuff inside his own company. I feel like he's like, uh, he gets to be like a mad scientist and kind of just build stuff. And uh, yeah, that's, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it does. It, it is cool. I think you're absolutely right. Like he just gets to play around and do whatever he wants. It's pretty cool. So once we, how much is WP Engine? Like a billion dollar company? So almost there. We are getting close. Can't even figure out. It doesn't matter. No. Yeah, someday. (laughs) Someday. Man, you know what I thought would be cool? But I'm not going to do it because I don't have time. I am. It is pretty cool to go look at these companies like Jason Cohen's writing or the Wildbit blog. They have had Mm -hmm. blog entries for like, well, Wildbit, 20 years Like, she has stuff she has written that's, like, 15 years old. And I've been thinking as we're going through this, I mean, this is going to work. Like, I feel very confident that this is going to work, but it's hard to see that right now. And it would be fun and interesting to write up some of these struggles, like, as a blog post. Like, hey, how do you figure out what to build? Or when do you know it's time to pivot? When do you know you're in the wrong market? Um Anyway, I've just been thinking it would be cool to... We have this podcast, but, you know, we're not mm-hmm. going to go back and listen to the podcast, presumably. So... Presumably. It, it's it's just kind of cool how they have, like, years and years and years of blogs from, hey, I'm going to... I have this idea, right? To, yeah. oh, I have this multi-million dollar company. It's like, wait, wow, cool. Yeah, what happened in between there? Right. Um, yeah, we do, we do have the podcast, which I think will be a fun artifact when we are wildly we successful. Um, but, yeah, maybe... I don't know. It seems like every time... On Twitter, somebody gets uh, success or like they get a bunch of Twitter followers or their business starts doing really well, they turn into a thought leader. And so maybe maybe when we become super successful, we can become thought leaders to stop stop tweeting about code and databases and start tweeting about like, I don't know, whatever thought leadership means. But <laughs> yeah, at some point that would be fun. It would be fun to look back after we are wildly successful. It'd be fun to look back and synthesize like, I don't know, two years of podcasts of being an utter, you know, floundering company and then finally having made it. So, yeah, that will be nice. Anything else? I think I had something else I wanted to talk about, but I totally forget it now. Do you have anything else? That is all. Oh, I do want to say something else since we're I'm feeling very chatty this morning. Tell me. So after our um, challenging customer interviews, I just want to like... (laughs) I just want to like shout out to there were a few people I reached out to and I didn't reach out like, oh, my gosh, should I quit? But like I I sent an innocuous, somewhat unrelated question, you know, because you're kind of feeling sad. You're like, should I quit? Oh, totally. Yeah. And so just really, really appreciative of all of the people I talked to that week um, that gave me indirect pep talks and the network like through this podcast, I think, and through Twitter and going to conferences, just like the network that we have and the support we've been able to get from those people. Super, super helpful and super helpful when you're going through those hard times, too. Yes, I would fully second that. Um, yeah, it was it was it was pretty bad week. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. We have each other and we have other people that are that are there to help. Um yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> y'all need to y'all need to understand. It was very bad. It was like I'm I'm gonna leave my laptop in the shed and never come back. <laughs> like, it yeah, was, it was it was bad. Um, speaking of people that help, um, do we want to solicit help from um our dozens or or maybe <laughs> even maybe even tens of uh podcast listeners for? Thoughts about um, our hypothesis? Do we want to talk that, to anybody about that? Yeah, that's a great idea. Absolutely. So our hypothesis is um, 
non-technical slash people that don't know SQL inside the company need access to um, company data and have a hard time getting it without going through the developer. Um, and that could be across any industry of any kind, customer support, any role in the company, anything like that. That is our, our broad hypothesis. Would you refine that any further, Colleen? Nope, I think that's good. If you work at a company like that, um, what do we do? Send us a DM on Twitter? Yeah, that's easy. Send us a DM on Twitter. I'm Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, D as in Daniel Francis. And for some reason, Colleen is Leany Burger on Twitter. So find Leany Burger or Aaron D. Francis on Twitter and send us a DM. That would be extremely helpful. Okay, call it there. All right, see ya.